Mac Power Users, episode 357, Workflows That Worked in 2016. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I am great, David. How are you? It's raining here in Southern California. We are losing our mind. We love it when it rains. So uh, I'm, I'm looking out the window. I'm looking at the hills, getting some 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 wet stuff on them, which they need desperately. Wow. Forecast is for rain through Christmas. So I'm very happy. By the way, we're recording this shortly before Christmas. We're releasing it on Christmas or or right after. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Maybe yeah. the, maybe people are listening to this on Christmas Day through their brand new earpods or other Bluetooth accessories and uh, using it as a little escape. So Merry Christmas to those of you who are celebrating. This one is uh, mine to edit and post. So I'm going to uh, try and get it up early on Christmas Day. So if you're driving around on Christmas and you need something to listen to, we'll be there for you. So you're going to get it out in time for Santa to listen to while he's delivering his packages. I will. Well, maybe, or at least so he can listen to it on the ride back up to the North Pole. Okay. You know, get some hot cocoa, listen to some workflows that work. All right. Well, I think first we need to say thank you to all of our listeners and everyone who has supported us for a great 2006. You know, another year, David, has come and gone, and we're still here, amazingly. Yeah, 2016 was pretty good, too. 2016, yes. When did we start the show? It, it was. I think, uh, I think you started the sauce a little early today, I Katie. Did, I did start it a little early. 2009, I think, was when we started the show. And, um, you know, one of us, might have been me, was a little skeptical that we'd make it beyond, you know, 10 shows or so. And here we are, 357 in 2016. I wish I had a recording, but I, I think I could rephrase it something like this. Fine, if that's what you really want to do, but we won't make it past 10 episodes. <laughs> Something so, like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the uh, But it, it worked out, and uh, we had a great audience this year. The audience size is, is really large, and we're really thankful to all of you. The sponsors were there for us, and a bunch of sponsors came back for 2017. We've got some new ones coming in 2017 we can't wait to share with you. Uh, we do have some spots available for 2017, though. So if you are interested and have a product or service you want to share with some loving nerds, uh, this is the place to be. Let us know. Yeah, Dave and I actually uh, are a little crazy. We try to book a, our shows the full year in advance to the extent we can. And we actually have, I think we're actually more than 60 and maybe close to 70% completely booked for 2017 now. I'd, I'd love to be fully booked for 2017 early because then that means we can stop selling ads because we don't really like doing that. But yeah, it'd be nice. We also have to say a new thing this year was the Relay FM membership. And that has been uh, a very nice treat to have. And thank you to all of our Relay FM members who have uh, joined up this year and are renewing in 2017. We've we've really enjoyed having you. We hope you've enjoyed some of the extra content that has been put out there by the Relay team. And more so, we just want to thank you so much for your support. It, it means the world to us. Yeah. And also thanks to all our helpers. Uh, JT was hugely uh, a, a benefit to the show this year. He's a listener who's helped out with show notes. Um, he's getting ready to have a second baby. So we're all excited for JT and, but he has still been making time to help us get really excellent show notes. And of course, Mark, our editor who makes us sound great, even though I screw up routinely. 
Yes, the the flubs that he takes out of the show. Um, I, I hope that Mark is saving these on the cutting room floor somewhere one day because he will make a lot of money selling the the B sides to power users. And I hope that he is not, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope for him he is. I hope for us that he's not. That's true. That's true. Well, anyway, thank you everybody for giving us a wonderful 2016. Uh, we. It looks like we're keeping the lights on for another year around here. We both love making the show and uh, hopefully it just continues to get better as we roll into 2017. Uh, now, Katie Floyd, uh, there is a lot of people on the Internet that are worried about you and your new MacBook Pro. Could you please bring us up to date? Life is good again. So uh, I got a lot of emails from people saying that I was a little bit negative and have been a little more negative than than usual on some of these shows. And I have to admit, I, I have felt a little negative a little angry about um, Apple products and services recently. Uh, a lot of that having to do with my bad experience with, uh, I, I think, just really receiving a lemon uh, of a MacBook Pro. And I think, you know, we just have to realize that these are machines and that can happen to anybody. But the follow-up is that my MacBook Pro has been replaced. The old one is gone. And I am pleased to say, um, better knock on something, that uh, I have had no problems with the new MacBook Pro. No crashes, no freezes, no beach balls, no spinning anything of death. Uh, the new MacBook Pro has been performing flawlessly. And I, I really think that uh, had I had this experience right out of the box with the the first MacBook Pro, my my initial thoughts and impressions of that machine probably would have been uh, much more positive. I, I think a lot of, in retrospect, just some of the issues that I was having with that machine, the, some of the slowness, some of the freezing, some of this beach balling, the battery life, I, I think a lot of that had to do with what I'm only guessing was some kind of logic board issue with that machine. I mean, I don't know. It's gone off to Apple. I'll never hear about it again, but uh, it's gone and the new one is performing admirably. I was thinking that maybe video card too, that could be another thing like that black screen sounds to me like video card, but either way, it's it's ancient history. And, and I will say the keyboard is even growing on me a bit. Um, I, I think I might have moved out of the hate realm now and I've moved into acceptance of it. <laughs> I uh, we've got, you know, it's a week before Christmas as we record this and I've got teenage kids. So we've got a bunch of kids sleeping over at our house right now. It's a... It's a good thing, by the way, if you have teenagers to make your house like teenager friendly. So when they all want to get together, they want to get together at your house. Just for that's a parenting trip there. Uh, miscellaneous one. You have lots of soda and whatever that, you know, drinks and chips and cookies around. And then they all come to your house. So you get to know your kids friends. So it's great. But the downside is if you work from home often, it gets in the way. So I've spent a lot of time at Starbucks the last few days. And I really, you know, that keyboard on the new one to me is just fine. I, I definitely like it better than the MacBook, uh, just the standard MacBook keyboard. And and I'm using the touch bar. I mean, I'm actually using it quite a bit this morning. I was noticing I kept using it thinking, ah, Katie Floyd should see me right now. Are, are you using the touch bar more now that you're um, kind of getting used to it? Or are you using it docked mainly, aren't you? I am using it mainly docked, but I am using it more, uh, particularly with third-party apps. I still think that third-party developers have done a lot better job implementing uh, the touch bar support than necessarily Apple has. And I'm very excited to see what third-party developers have done with the touch bar. Yeah, I think in the next year, we're going to get some real interesting developments. It seems to me that there's generally two schools of thought right now. There's let's come up with some kind of um, innovative use that doesn't replace keyboard buttons, you know, like just doesn't re re replace standard like keyboard shortcuts. And then there's let's just put, you know, the keyboard shortcut buttons up there like in, in pages, make it bold or set the uh, alignment or set it italic. 
Um, the ones I like the most are the ones that do the um, that do something other than keyboard shortcuts and make it innovative. And I've seen that primarily from third party developers. I think I talked about it on the show, but Fantastical does this thing where it shows you the upcoming dates and you can just tap on the date and it jumps to it. I use that all the time. So um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Uh, before we get into the topic today, which is this, we've got a, gr- a full outline, so I, I guess I should get on with it. But the um, uh, I got my AirPods and so did Katie Floyd. Yes, I did. Uh, overall, the response to the AirPods has been very positive. I know you cheated a little bit. You actually got to play with AirPods uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, I was at a conference and a friend of mine is a um, is a person in the press that got a set of demo units. And uh, that person was nice enough to let me spend some time with them. And I knew... I liked them at the time. I talked to, talked about it on the show a bit, but now I've got mine in my hot little hand. I've been using them for a few days. Boy, I really like these. Uh, I, I think it's one of my favorite products Apple has made in the last several years. As silly, silly as that sounds, I mean, the um. So just to, you know, the basics are they're they're like ear pods. You know, the ones that have the cord on, them, but you cut the cord off. If you just imagine, it's about the exact same design, but there's no cord on them. Inside, they've got a microphone. They've got a special, they call it a W1 chip, and uh, they've got, you know, a speaker, obviously. They rest inside your ear, and they come with a little plastic case about the size of a dental floss case, but that's a little heavier. And I was surprised by that because people, I, I always said, oh, it looks like a dental floss case. That's why people are comparing it to it. No, it's really that small. But it's got more rounded corners, which makes it easier to slide in and out of your pocket. And the reason it's a little heavier is it's got a battery in there. So not only do the... So the AirPods or AirPods, I'm sorry, have batteries in them. The case has batteries in them. So when you drop them in the case and it's magnetic, they just pop right in. Then they are charging themselves every time you put them in the case. Uh, It's just a great design. So every time you pull it out of the case, it's got a full charge, assuming you've charged the case recently. And uh, the way they they fit in, there's only, you know, a specific way they fit in. So you always know which one is the right one and which one is the left. And they're just super convenient. Um, one of the ways I've been using them is as because I do a lot of telephone calls, you know, and you probably do the same, Katie. I mean, this, our day jobs requires us to talk to a lot of people. So I just take one out and put it in my ear and use it kind of like the time life operator. You know, I've got my little ear earbud in there and I can talk on the phone. Everybody I'm talking to says I, I sound just fine, but it's not super um, heavy on my head. You know, it's just one. If, if the battery starts running down, I drop that one in the case and pull the other one out and put it in the other ear. And uh, for a telephone, you know, you somebody who does a lot of telephone calls, super useful. I know this is just like a Bluetooth headset when you think about it that way, but it's so much more because you can then put both in and listen to music and you get music in stereo. If um, I'm working and listening to something like I'm listening to a podcast in one of them and then somebody walks up to me, I can just take it out of my ear and it automatically pauses the podcast. And uh, I, I did a write up at Max Barkey. I'll put it in the show notes. Katie did one, too. Yeah, but your write-up had BB-8 in it. Yeah, I, I've been doing that lately. I've been putting BB-8 in a lot of my product shots. Um, but the I just really love these things. I I tell you, the, the one word that I can come up with to describe these are delightful. And everything about the experience, except maybe Siri, is delightful about them. They're, they're small, they're compact, they're cute. I love the way that Apple implements magnets. These are the headphones ear pods, earbuds, whatever, whatever generic term you want to use. These are the headphones that I want to use 
everywhere now. And I realize that they're probably not going to be the best headphones for all use cases. You know, they're not noise canceling. They're probably not going to be great on a plane. But for everyday uses, whether I'm talking to somebody on the phone or whether I'm out walking or whether I'm just working around the house or any of those types of uses, these are the ones that I want to use. You know, I've got a pair of either earbuds or um or Apple, Apple's older, I don't know what, what were the, did they have a name? Just the round ones, just the iPod style headphones. You know, I've got those all over the house. I've got them in, you know, drawers here and there. And, you know, just so basically I can have a pair of earphones wherever. And I don't want to use any of those anymore. These, these are the headphones that I want to use everywhere. So um, I'm just kind of throwing them in my purse and keeping them with me wherever I go. They are so lightweight that I, I think you kind of forget that they're there. I mean, not having any cords, not even the cord that connects them behind your head, like many Bluetooth headphones do now, just is so freeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very uh, picky about what I put in my pocket. Like, I've got my phone, I've got my wallet, and I've got, you know, as little in my wallet as I can. I've got a, you know, I just, I keep as little in my wallet in my pocket as possible, but these made the cut. Now, I just carry them with me all day, every day, and it's great. Um, the only downsides that I experience is, the the play pause control isn't as easy as it is with traditional ear pods or any Bluetooth ones that have a little, you know, button hanging on the cord where you can just tap the button to play and pause it. Here you've got to double tap it and tell it to play or pause using Siri. Um, you can change that in settings, but I think Siri is worth using. We'll talk about Siri later today. And also the same thing with skipping tracks. It's you have to use Siri to skip tracks. There's no easy way to do that. Um, if you got an Apple watch, it kind of softens the blow because you can do all that stuff on your watch. But um, that that's the only downside. But it's just the convenience and the, I don't know, the things are great. They sit in your pocket, even just not having to untangle them. Like I do, um, I, I wear corded ear pods for a long time as I go and do gardening. And it seems like once a month I catch the cord on a door handle as I'm going in and out of the garage. Yep. And, and just like, it, you know, that feeling when it yanks out of your ear and you wonder if it's going to yank your ear off or if it's going to yank the phone out of your pocket and the phone's going to go flying. Um, it just, you don't have that anymore. So it's worth it. I know they're kind of expensive, but they're about the same prices as, as just about any Bluetooth headphones out there, decent ones. And uh, I think this is something you may like. So if you guys are looking for something, maybe you've got some Christmas money you've got, you want to spend, uh, I would go check those out. Yeah, it it really is a shame that they they didn't make it out in time for more mass market availability for Christmas because I think if these had been out a month even a month earlier they would have been a huge Christmas gift because everybody would have been raving about them. Yeah, some people in my family saw them and they're like, "Oh, I want to get those for so and so as a present," and I'm like, "Sorry, too late. <laughs> you can't get them now." I I'm on the <laughs> East Coast. Is one of the one of the only times being on the East Coast has been an advantage in Apple World. And they went on sale. Um, I don't know. I was I was uh, just at the office, so I think maybe about nine a.m. East Coast time. And I saw them. I saw Twitter about them. And I typically don't text you first thing in the morning because, of course, you're three hours behind me, and I don't want to wake you up or disturb your family. But I think I texted you with with sirens saying they're available. I figure he will forgive me if I wake him up for this. And I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. I mean, another thing like a shipping thing Apple got behind on this year was the watches as well. I know I have several friends that bought watches as Christmas presents and those are still kind of hard to get if you want to get the series too. So uh, it's too bad they didn't make that. They, I know they lost a few bucks. I'm sure they're all upset about it at Apple too, but these are some great products. So with your post Christmas money, you may want to go check some of that out. 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Daylight, the business productivity app for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. If you've ever run your own business, you know how hard it is to secure a new business while juggling the work on your plate. You've probably got an overloaded inbox and a never-ending task list and a million details to remember. In fact, it's really easy to feel overwhelmed and things start slipping through the cracks. That's where Daylight helps. Daylight is the app for your Mac, iPhone, and iPad that helps you win more business and get more done. It organizes and ties together your clients and emails. It allows you to manage your tasks and projects. You can even keep notes on each one of your clients and projects. Best of all, you can manage new business opportunities all in the single application. Businesses all over the world say Daylight helps them work more efficiently so they can manage more clients and projects at a time. I know this because I keep hearing from Mac Power Users listeners that are getting real serious work done using Daylight every day. I've heard from some listeners that use Daylight to manage cases and keep track of referrals in a law firm. I've also heard from Design Studio listeners who use Daylight to organize communications with clients and share their projects, tasks, and details. With Daylight, you don't have to worry about your data because it's stored locally on your Mac, iPhone, and iPad. They also have a cloud service if you want to do that. The team at Market Circle has been developing Daylight for a long time, and they really get the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. This is a mature product that can make your business more efficient right away. In fact, they just released an update for the iPad that fully supports multitasking, so now you can work with Daylight and another application side-by-side. Make your business more profitable and efficient today. Head over to marketcircle.com slash daylight, spelled D-A-Y-L-I-T-E, to start a free 30-day trial. And don't forget to mention you heard about Daylight through the Mac Power users, and you'll get 50% off your first month subscription. My thanks again to Daylight for bringing you the Mac Power users. Okay, Katie, you want to talk about this show today? So this is our end of the year show, and we kind of try to do something a little bit retrospective, but still in the Mac Power Users theme. So this year, we want to talk a little bit about what worked for us. And so we're kind of calling this show Workflows That Worked. And Dave and I are going to talk a little bit about whether it be individual apps and how we're using them or even more detailed workflows. I don't think there are any real formal rules that we put on this show, but we wanted to talk a little bit about what worked for us in 2020. uh, What year is this? 2016. Yeah, you're you're having trouble today. (laughs) I am having trouble with this. Um, I'll have it figured out after the first of the year. Uh, What worked for us in 2016? um, And we'll get some uh, insight from some listeners as well. And then talk a little bit about, you know, what are we still struggling with and and what do we want to try to figure out for 2017? Yeah, in fact, I'm going to give you a free tip before we get started. And I want you to do this too, Katie. Uh, On January 1st, go in Text Expander. And and make an expansion snippet for any time you type the numbers 2016, it retypes 2017. And just leave that active for a couple of months. I do that for the first three months of any new year. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's your first workflow that worked in 2016? I Full disclosure, a lot of my workflows um, center around my new business. You know, a big thing for me in 2016, I, I think yours is a little more than a year old now. So I, I don't know that you opened in 2016, but 2016 was a big year for me personally and professionally because I went out on my own. I opened my own business and I am a true solo at this point. So I uh, am running my own law firm, running my own business, and I don't have anybody helping me anymore. Um, I don't, I used to have the great advantage of having
having a legal assistant or a paralegal or or staff all around me. And um, now it's just me. Uh, and I'm a little ashamed to say it that doing simple things like printing envelopes or, um, you know, just even figuring out, you know, I would just hand somebody a letter and say, you know, make sure that this gets to whoever it's addressed to or make sure this goes out. And little things like, I don't know how to send out you know, certified mail, return receipt requested and get all the little labels and stickers and those things on them. It just was not something that I had to do. And in my business, um, mailing things is a big part of uh, what I do every day. So that was that was something I had to educate myself on pretty quickly. Uh, did, did you find that in your business? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember because um, uh, I, I take walks and, you know, I'm, I'm just such a weirdo, but I, w- I go to the market and get soup and, you know, so <laughs> there's a post and ship down there and, and I'm on a first name basis with them. You know, they know me. I go in there when I have mailing projects. They help me kind of get those things sorted out. And I was thinking, how silly is it for me to be going to the post office myself to do this stuff? Uh, this was, and I started in February of 2015 and, and I still do it, but I kind of schedule it. The kind of work I do doesn't require me to do this every day. It's usually once every week or two. And, um, the, uh, but then I got thinking how nice it is. That I don't have to go into meetings with other people. So <laughs> I consider it kind of an offset. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth it. Um, so I have some technology that, that helps me with this. One of the things that I picked up, and this was at the recommendation of, uh, Ben Carter, who came on our show, I think it's been a couple of years now. Uh, and was talking about what was working with his Mac-based law firm, uh, is I asked for and received for my birthday, my great birthday gift, was the Dymo Twin Turbo Label Maker. And basically what this is, is this is a a label printer that um, the Twin Turbo part means that it prints two different types of labels. So I keep one side loaded up with um, standard what you would consider labels that go on an envelope, you know, like one and a half by three inch, you know, plain white labels. And the other side I keep loaded up with stamps. And so more on that in a minute. But those are great because it comes with included software for the Mac and it will integrate with your address book. So if I just need to print a one-off label to somebody, I just pop that open very quickly and, um, I can, you know, select the address and boom, it, it just prints off a quick label. And so that's an easy way to get an, a quick one-off label. And I could just stick it on an envelope and seconds and I'm done. Interesting. Yeah, see, I do it with a, because uh, I have a color laser printer and I just have a pages template saved as my envelope. And when I want to run it, I just run the envelope through the printer. I do that too. Now I use a different product. Um, you certainly could use a pages template. Uh, that was a little hard for me to figure out how to set up, although I'm sure if I put some time into it, I could. But uh, there's a product, I believe, I put a link in the show notes. I think Ambrosia Software makes it. It's called Easy Envelopes. It's been around for years. It's available in the Mac App Store. I think it's 10 bucks or less. And you can set up a bunch of different envelope types. You know, the standard, I think it's number 11 is the standard size envelopes. And you can set up uh, envelopes and you can set up um you know, multiple return addresses. So I have my home return address. I have my law office return address. And I even have like a fancy little, uh, my fancy little logo, you know, set up in the return address. So it looks kind of like a professionally printed envelope because it comes out of my laser printer. So I can also, if I'm doing standard, standard size envelopes that I can send through my laser printer, I do those with easy envelopes, which is um, just a, a quick, app that I open up. It also connects to my address book or I can type an, uh, an address in manually. And I've got, I figured out how to set up my printer so I can just run a single envelope through it and, 
and run it through. So that's another app that I've been using for for one-off envelopes. I tend to use the label maker if I'm mailing something oversized and just want to stick a label in it. And then I use easy envelopes if I want to, you know, just send a you know, send a standard size envelope through them. And then, so what do you do for a return address when you're using the DYMO uh, label writer? Do you print it separately? I'm pretty analog with that. I can either print it separately. Um, I actually, when I opened the office, I had a stamp made with my return address. Um, And I also have just some peel and stick return address labels that you can buy pretty inexpensively. You can get them from Amazon or any number of vendors. So, so that was easy enough. Okay. So tell me, I see there's a couple different, uh, twin uh, label uh, writer twin turbos which one did you get did you get the 450 the 450 is the one that you want uh, that's the most current one and i'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah the show may end up costing me money all right so, <laughs> so tell me how, how do you get postage out of this thing so it comes with um it, it the reason that i like that is because it has a couple of postage options as well now it will integrate with many of the posted services so if you want to subscribe to something like stamps.com or one of the pitney bows services um, you can do that and i seriously considered doing something like stamps.com is the one that i will do if i end up doing one I've, I've looked at them and that's probably the cheapest monthly fee for the most options but it's still like 15 bucks a month and i I will probably at some point get to the point where that makes sense because you can do some advanced stuff like the return receipt and all of those things. But right now I'm just not pumping out the volume. Right now I'm at the point where my time is I've got I've got enough time and it's not worth spending, you know, the regular commitment for 15 bucks a month to do it. So I uh Dymo has a um no monthly fee option. Uh, that comes with their label makers that you can subscribe to through, I think it's called Encada. Uh, they also have a, a subscription option that's very similar to um, stamps.com. But if you have a dy- Dymo printer, you can also just buy a roll of stamps and you can get a roll of about 200 stamps for 17 bucks. And they will give you free software where you can print, you know, pay as you go stamps. And the free version is pretty limited. It will print limited types of stamps as you need them. So, for example, it will print, you know, standard envelope stamps. So if you have a a one-ounce envelope or if you need a, um, you know, something that's a little heavier, you can do two, three, four, five, six. You know, you can do higher increments. Or if you're printing a large envelope, you can do large envelope and, and higher weights. And it will also do standard priority mail sizes. So I would say that works for about 90%. Of, of my shipping needs. It doesn't do any of the fancy return receipt stuff or anything like that. So probably the two or three times a month that I need to do something return receipt, I still have to take those to the post office. Okay. Well, makes sense. Yeah. I, I Similarly, like when I get involved with something in the day job where I know I'm going to have large packages, quite often it's something that's going to be more than one large package because you, know, you do a state plan where you probably have a few transactions with with a lot of people where I'll have a lot of transactions with a few people. Exactly. So I've, I've got a nice template set up in pages and I've got the labels, exact labels that I need. It prints my return and the, the recipient's address. So if I'm getting involved in a litigation or an extensive transaction that I'm doing on behalf of a client, I'll print out a, a sheet or two of just labels for the other attorney. And so I've just got a, I already got a sheet or two of labels for that person. So every time I need to send something, I just peel one off. And it took me a while to get there. When I first started doing it, I would print it every time I needed a new one until I realized this is really dumb. You know, in the same amount of time, I could print like 20 of them and I'd never have to do it again. 
Oh, good, good picks though. What, what else are you doing for envelopes? I know that some, some more of your workflows this year involved kind of envelope management and. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been doing, uh, is I've been trying to be more aware of, you know, little, um, client pleasantries. Like this year I wanted to send out, um, you know, I sent out announcement cards announcing my firm and I also wanted to send out, uh, Christmas cards. So I'm, I'm trying to be more aware of, you know, every time I have a relationship with a client, even if it's just a one-off thing, because a lot of the things I do are, you know, one-off, I'll do a will for somebody and I probably won't see them again for years. But, you know, if if I can stay top of their mind, if they have an issue or if a family member has an issue, if they, if, you know, if they just keep thinking about me for some reason, then, you know, hopefully they'll think to refer other people to me. So, I've got a, a workflow for greeting cards and mailers. Um, and I know that there are content management systems or contact management systems that will will do this for people. And I haven't gotten to that point yet. And at some point, I may need to invest in one. But for right now, um, I use busy contacts to manage all of my contacts. And the other thing you could do is set up a group and an address book. But basically, it's the same thing. And typically, whenever I open a new matter, I'll, I'll create contacts for everybody in busy contacts. And I have a tag in busy contacts um, called, you know, just basically work Christmas card. And I have now started going in and tagging um, clients and business associates and basically just contacts that I want to make sure they get a Christmas card for me every year. And that's just kind of a generic tag right now. I may end up using that tag for for other things. But I had about 100 people in that group this year, and that will probably grow over the next next few years. I certainly hope it will. Um, And for right now, I can then you can then take that group and you can create labels in Microsoft Word. If you're if you're doing a group of, you know, 30 or more, it probably makes more sense just to print a sheet of labels than to pop them out on the on the Dymo. Um, because you can certainly do that much more economically by just printing a page of labels. And so the label wizard in Word, and I have to remember this every year because it's one of those things that I don't do very often, it also works well with your personal Christmas cards, will allow you to um, create labels based on a group and address book. So all of those tags and busy contacts converts over to groups and address books. So you just want to make sure you launch address book to sync them up. And that will import all of the information into uh, labels in Microsoft Word. And then you can go in and edit as necessary. So, David, if, if I've got you tagged in my, my contacts for you're somebody who gets a Christmas card from me, I can pretty quickly go through and see instead of sending you know, a card to David Sparks, I'm going to change the name and send it to the Sparks family. So I then spend about 10 or 15 minutes editing the labels to make them more neutral or more appropriate and then just print them out. And then it's just a lot of sticking and folding. Uh, yeah, another uh, hack for that is when you're making the tag, whether you're doing it in, in busy contacts or Apple contacts, uh, I have two different categories. One is I call holiday card and one I call holiday e-card. And um, because there's some people that I just send a note to via email and I did, I started doing this years ago and it's nice because, you know, because of what I do on the internet, some of my friends, I don't even have their addresses, but they're, they're pretty close people. I try and send them a card or something. So uh, having different categories is another way to, to help the further refine that. Like Katie could have one for her work related uh, holiday cards and then her personal holiday cards. All right. Um, I've been sitting on my hands over here. I want to talk about a workflow that worked for me in 2016. I, um, 
I have been struggling, as listeners of the show know, for the last couple of years to kind of figure out text, you know, as silly as that sounds. I went through that spirit quest in 2015 where I tried Evernote for all my texts and EnviAlt and blah, blah, blah. I went through all these different systems and Apple came out with Apple Notes and I started using that. And I really wanted in 2016 to dial that in. And I feel like I've done it. So this is what I've done uh, this year. I have fully invested in Apple Notes. Uh, I, I gave up on NVLT, which is sad because it's developed by a friend of mine. And uh, there's a lot to love about NVL. It's plain text. I mean, there's just there's some really great features with that app. But just the way that Apple has integrated Apple Notes so deeply into all of the Apple ecosystem, whether you're on the Mac, iPhone or iPad, you can get stuff into it super easy. I found myself kind of enjoying the rich text feature and the pictures feature, you know, I like, you know, I like craftsman homes and arts and crafts style. So I've been thinking about um, doing um, some improvements in my house. I'm going to make some little doodads, a craftsman style. I'm going to start installing them next year. So I already have a little note and I've got pictures in there. I've got links to websites. I've got all these different things I'm collecting in my research of this project. And that's something I just couldn't do before with NVL. So it's nice having all that in one place. But one of the problems I had as I came into 2016 is one of the things NVLT always did for me is give me what I call a text bank because my day job involves a lot of words and I write contracts and I, I deal with companies and I deal with stock issues and all these things where there's things that you can reuse sort of, you know, it's not really like as simple as copy and paste, but it's a starting point as I do things for people. So I like to keep kind of a bank of things I've written in the past to give me a starting place when someone asks me to help them. And that wasn't, it was never that great in NVL, but NVL has such good search that you could find most of the stuff you needed. Apple Notes, it was much worse in because Apple Notes, as much as I like that rich text and those pictures and the things I was talking about, it's even worse as a text bank because the search features are limited and it just didn't work that well. And um, when we were prepping the show on Ulysses versus, uh, well, not really, Ulysses and Scrivener that we did. Uh, one of the points I was noting as I was prepping for that is Ulysses is really a plain text editor, whereas Scrivener is rich text. And that really has benefits and detriments on both sides of the fence. But I got thinking that would be actually really helpful for me and my word bank. So I'm talking a lot. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So so then I got thinking, well, what if I tried to move all those that text bank type of text into Ulysses? So I started fiddling with it and i made various like subfolders in ulysses you can you can get very incremental in ulysses with the way you develop you know these hierarchical i think they call them projects but in essence they're folders and i started moving things in there and i started liking it more and more and now i've got this really clean set of hierarchical projects in ulysses that has all the good text that i have wherever i see it and because we're lawyers we steal from other lawyers so like I was working on a contract recently and somebody had a clause in there. I'm like, wow, I really like the way he phrased this, this one sentence. I'm going to use that, you know? So, so I uh, copied it out of his PDF and I pasted it into Ulysses in another, you know, segment of that word bank. And I, I just feel like I really now have that area of my life covered. So uh, whatever, you know, whenever I go to build something for a client, some document, and I want to resource something I've seen or used before, I can get easy access to it. Ulysses is on all of my devices. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's on my phone. It's on my iPad. It's on my Macs. Um, I can easily get text out of it. I put all of it in, um, in Markdown format, and I just export it as Markdown out of Ulysses. I don't, I don't, 
formatted at all and just and then I drop it into a Word or Pages document. And I've designed these kind of custom Words and Pages uh, templates where I've got the headings and everything set just the way I want in the typography. So I put this plain text in there that doesn't have any, you know, it's not rich text, so it doesn't have any little things stuck to it. It just goes in as plain text and I can format it and then start working from there. And it gives me a great start. But um, uh, for the first time, I feel like I've got this problem solved. And uh, that's something that happened to me this year. Yeah. I, so I have a very important question. Does this mean we never have to talk about text on Mac Power users again? No, because it's a, an ongoing journey. <laughs> okay. is it changing? I mean, Scrivener's got some cool stuff coming out. I still see I still see roles for a bunch of these other apps, but for that part of my life, I feel like right now I've got it I've got it managed pretty well. Well, that's good. And so Apple Notes is still treating you well. You haven't felt like you've you've hit a head with it where you've maxed out the the amount of nodes or those types of things. I'm at about 800 notes. I, I took a bunch out when I when I converted all this this usable text to Ulysses, but then I've been slowly adding more in. And uh, I like Apple Notes better now that I'm not trying to use it for that one pro that one problem of of reusable text, and um, it's working fine. So I'm I'm really happy with kind of that setup now. So there's a workflow that worked for me. Yeah, I I think it's important. Uh, you know we. There's this want to simplify things by, you know, using as few apps as we possibly can. But I think it's important, and we talked to this about this a little bit on our, our Devin Think show. I think it's important to find the right app for the right tool that you need or for the right job. And it even if that's splitting things up among multiple apps, I think that still works better for you than trying to cram everything you could possibly need to do with something into one particular app. I mean, that's kind of the journey that I'm on right now with Evernote. I mean, I still love Evernote for certain things, but I think when I, I found that when I threw way too much into it, it became less effective for me. So that's what I'm trying to do now is really cull my use of, of that app down to the the things that Evernote is best for and and take those other things out of Evernote and, and find other apps and other solutions that those things are good for. Yeah, it, that is a uh, an issue for me too. And, and one of the big things for me on all on this journey was I want something that works flawlessly not only on the Mac but on iOS as well because quite often I am only with an iPad when I'm working remotely. And and this Ulysses and Apple Notes combination does that. So that was a, an important trick for me. Ulysses this year really, I think, found its multi-platform mojo. I mean, they they were on iPad before, but I think they really kind of nailed it down this year. And they kind of figured out what works and doesn't work. The synchronization is super solid. It's easy to manage. They, they support split screen so I can grab text out of Ulysses and put it into Pages or Microsoft Word. And, uh, you know, the plain text markdown combination that they support, that really helps me. So uh, it was just kind of a, a combination of things coming together this year, but but it did solve that problem. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've figured out text. It only took us 257 episodes. I didn't say I'm done. <laughs> I, I keep being optimistic that maybe we're done, but no. No. Probably would not be a Mac power users without lots of workflows revolving around text. Yeah. So, all right. I am what I am, Katie Floyd. I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode, Fujitsu. You can find out more information about the entire Fujitsu line of products by heading over to budurl.me slash SSMPU. 
Fujitsu makes what I personally believe to be the best line of document scanners for your home, for your office, or for even on the go. And it all starts with great software. The Fujitsu ScanSnap software allows you to do so many things, including um, scan documents that are larger than legal size. It will automatically OCR your documents so you can do magical things with the characters that are recognized on pages. It will scan to many cloud services, including Dropbox, Evernote, Google Docs, and more. You can set up multiple profiles, so maybe you want to scan a single page, maybe you want to set it up for batch scanning for large documents, and that even includes software to allow you to scan and organize business cards and receipts. But that's just the software. They make an incredible line of scanner products to go with this amazing software. My personal favorite is the iX500. This is the Mac Daddy scanner. In fact, I've got one on my desk at home, and I just picked up another one for my brand new office. This is a full duplex scanner, meaning when you stick a piece of paper through it, it will scan both sides simultaneously, and it has a 50-sheet feeder, so you can really stack the documents up on there. It will connect to your computer or your iOS device with USB 3.0 or through Wi-Fi, and it will scan upwards of 25 pages per minute. You can scan again to a computer or directly to a mobile device. It will scan either PDFs or JPEGs, and it's got this magical roller separation, so it's going to make sure that it doesn't accidentally grab multiple pages and that you don't end up with jams. Now, that's the iX500. They've also got the S1300i, so if you don't need quite as much power, you're looking for something a little more portable, this will sit on your desktop or you can store it in a drawer, and it will do up to 12 pages per minute, double-sided, multi-page scanning, and it can be USB be powered for portability if you like. But for the ultimate in portability, they've got the iX100. This is almost like a magic wand. It will scan a page at 300 dpi in less than six seconds. It will fit in a glove box, briefcase, or backpack, and it weighs only 14 ounces. It's USB powered, or it can scan wirelessly to an Android or iOS device, so you don't even have to take a computer. And if you need to scan large form documents or books, check out the SV600. You can find out more information at their website at budurl.me slash SSMPU. And thanks to Fujitsu for their longtime support of the show. All right. So I guess that brings it up to me for my next workflow that worked this year. And that surrounds a little bit about um, time tracking, billing, and expense tracking. And this, again, is a workflow that has emerged as a result of my new business and my new practices. Um, and and I, I promise I'm not going to let this get too lawyery because nobody wants to hear a bunch of lawyers talk about um, what they do in their day job. But I think most people who listen to our show um, you know, have to deal with some aspect of keeping track of what they're doing, maybe billing. Uh, I know a lot of people who listen to the show are, are freelancers or or otherwise have to be accountable to somebody for their time and maybe get paid based on what they do with their time. So this is very important. And, you know, with lawyers, that's that's our stock and trade. You know, that's what we do is is deal with with our time and that's how we get paid. And, you know, when you're working for somebody else and you're getting paid a, a salary, Although it's very important to keep track of your time because your employer gets reimbursed. Admittedly, sometimes it's a little easier to be lax on that. But um, when you're working for yourself and you eat what you kill, uh, you have a very vested interest in making sure that you're tracking your time appropriately, that you're getting your invoices out, um, and that those invoices are getting paid quickly. And, and I will not turn this into an advertisement because they're not a sponsor. They've never even contacted us about sponsorship. Um, but there are a lot of time tracking and billing apps out there um, and I have found one, actually, David, it was your recommendation. You'll have to tell me whether you're still using it, um, that has worked for me. It was kind of the right combination of features and and price that worked for me. And I'm using Harvest. 
Uh, FreshBooks is very, very similar. So if you kind of like the the features that we're talking about, you may want to look at that too. Um, ultimately, I landed on Harvest because they were a little more focused on time tracking and they also had some QuickBooks integration, which was important to my accountant. But I like it because it has a an easy time tracker app that lives in my menu bar. And so just with a couple of quicks, it's very easy for me to either start a timer or enter time for events as I go throughout the day. And one of the things I've noticed is that if it's sitting up there in my menu bar, as soon as I start a phone call or as soon as I start working on a document or as soon as I finish something, it's very easy for me to enter that time as I go. Because as you know, if you don't capture the time as you're doing something, you're, you're never going to be able to recreate it later. You're going to, you're going to lose so much. Um, it also has an expense tracker, and so you can you can track expenses, and it has a companion iOS app so that you can enter time and expenses on the go, which is nice. Um, one of my favorite features, and this is also a feature um, that FreshBooks has as well, is it has an it it sends beautiful invoices, so you can create and customize invoices based on the time that you've tracked and send them out to people. And it is completely paperless. So, sending out invoices in my day job before used to be an all-day process and sometimes a multi-day process. I mean, it was multiple people were involved. You know, bookkeeper would print the invoices, your legal assistant would review them, you would review them, you'd send them back, there'd be multiple drafts. I mean, it was ridiculous how much time you would lose. I can send out invoices for the month, probably now in less than two hours. And they're nice invoices, they're good-looking invoices, and they integrate with um, Stripe and PayPal so my clients can pay me with a credit card, which I was a little hesitant to do because obviously there are fees associated with that, but you get paid so much faster and the clients love it. I mean, they get the invoice. I had a client pay me once, like within five minutes. I think they happened to be sitting at their computer when the invoice came in and they just paid it. And there's nothing that makes you happier than getting a, an email or a notification on your Apple watch that says, hey, you've got money now. Um, so that was great. One of, there are a few quirks of things that I don't like. Um, one is that right now they don't have a way to batch edit a whole bunch of time. I think they're um, you have to edit on the invoice, but those invo- those edits aren't necessarily saved back. So those edits do go out on the invoice. So if all you're you're interested in is is sending things out to the client that look good, then then that's fine. Um, the other thing that I um, don't necessarily like is that you have to do all the invoicing from your computer. You can't send out an invoice on on iOS. So it it is still computer based, which is fine for me, but I know a lot of people like if you're especially if you're sending people out to a job site, you might want to be able to have them, you know, generate and send out an invoice completely on iOS would be nice. So I, I've sent I use Harvest. I, I've sent out invoices from iOS on the iPad. So on iPad Pro, you just use Safari and just log in like you're on a Mac. Yeah. And then there's a button you say, give me desktop view and you're good. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you, I guess you, you can do it, but you, you, I guess what I'm saying is you can't do it from their app. You have to, you have to do it like, like that. So, um, so that's what I want to talk about with, with Harvest. And then I want to talk a little bit about, um, like scanning and tracking receipts, but before I go there, any, any comments or thoughts on that piece of it? Yeah, I'm I'm still using them too. The the reason I picked up on them is because I have a lot of clients that are out of the country. Well, not a lot, but some, and it was a pain getting them to be able to pay. And because, Harvest supports Stripe and all these international payment methods. It made it really easy for my customers to pay. 
And uh, one workflow I would do, uh, Text Expander keeps coming up, but it's Text Expander. Um, in this app, just like any web app, you can ex do a Text Expander snippet. So what I did is I made a, a clever snippet that says, you know, Sparks Law, and then it has a wildcard for the current month, you know, invoice. And then it puts a carriage return and it says, dear, and it has a fill in for client name. And I've got a couple optional selections there. So like when I, so whenever I send out an invoice, I just fire off the snippet in the little field where you send the invoice in the app and it, it, it customizes it in my language and it looks really nice. And I can say like, there's one of the options says, if you would like a written invoice, you know, let me know. Because when I get new clients, sometimes they want a piece of paper in the mail, or maybe they want me to send it to someone else at their company other than them. So I have these little optional selections. And, and usually I pick those the first time I send that invoice out. But a lot of them I don't use ever again with that client because almost always they say, no, send it to me. And no, I don't need a written copy. But it, it just allows me to even further customize the process using Text Expander. That's a good idea. Uh, you know, Harvest has a way where you can customize the default email that they send out with your invoice. And I've customized that quite a bit. And I guess on a case-by-case -case basis, I'll go in and tweak it per the client, but I haven't thought about using Text Expander to tweak it for every client. So how are you handling expenses? Well, so the expense part is is equally important because in addition to keeping track of time, I have to keep track of expenses, not just because I need to bill them to the client, but also because I need to send them to my accountant. And I don't want to be one of those people who sends her a big shoebox full of miscellaneous crumpled paper at the end of the year. Um, so I've been using Scanner Pro on my iPhone. And I've, you know, as you know, I've developed a, you know, I'm, I try to stay completely paperless. So I've been using Scanner Pro, you know, if I go to the post office and send something, you know, I enter the expense in, in Harvest as an expense to bill to that particular client, which makes sure that it gets on the client's invoice. You know, if I spend $6.35 on certified mailing, I've got a, I've got a category for certified mailing and I bill it to the client. But what I do to account for the expense on my business end um, is I take a picture of the actual receipt using Scanner Pro. And one of the updates that occurred to Scanner Pro, and I think it was this year, because I started using this workflow. It was this year. Yeah, I started using this workflow in 2016, um, is you can actually create workflows in 2016, like workflow workflows. Have we figured out a name for that yet that makes it less confusing? No, okay. we So let's just keep it confusing. Yeah, but so workflow. <laughs> so the workflow app. Workflow app workflows you can create within Scanner Pro. So I've created a couple of different workflows based on the type of documents that I scan. And so probably my most often used is I scan a receipt. And so I've set Scanner Pro to give the receipt a default name based on a date string and the word receipt. And I've created a workflow workflow within Scanner Pro that um, will upload that file to my business receipts folder in Dropbox um, and then delete that file from Scanner Pro after the upload is successful so that I don't have a bunch of these miscellaneous receipts floating around in Scanner Pro because after it's uploaded to Dropbox, I don't have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. And if you shared that folder with your staff or your accountant or whoever in your life helps you with that stuff, it even further, you know, refines it. Scan To me, there's ScanBot and Scanner Pro are the two, in my opinion, currently uh, premier scanning apps on your phone. It seems like they leapfrog each other about every six months. One of them comes up with some new feature and then the other one comes up with something else. If there's, if there's one, if there's any others out there that people are using a lot, let us know. But but the, the, I think the point is you can now be at the post office, shoot a copy of that receipt with your phone and have 
everything managed before you even leave the office, leave the, uh, the post office. And then I never have to worry about that receipt again. So if that receipt never makes it back to the office, it's fine. A lot of times after I scan it and shoot it, I'll just crumple that receipt up and throw it away. The, um, you know, I was telling you how they, I'm on a first name basis with the folks at my local postage, postage ship. They know when I go in there, I think I'm the only customer they don't staple the receipt for because, <laughs> yes, you know, they would staple the receipt and I would unstaple it right in front of them and then shoot the picture of it and throw them away before I left. And after so much time, they just stopped stapling it. I guess they decided I'm not, you know, <laughs> I don't need a staple. Yeah. And, and I should mention just. I should have said this in the uh, the postage part, but I asked you, David, again, you, you've been more than generous with your time and with your advice for me on my new venture. I said, well, well, David, what do you what do you do about shipping stuff? Like, you know, don't you need one of these fancy, you know, shipping services that you have to pay $15 a month for and all that stuff? And you just said, I buy stamps. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so much of what I do, it, every you and I have very different businesses. I mean, because I work on transactions with people. So I'm emailing documents back and forth with other lawyers and we're printing stuff. It, we just don't do a lot of work by mail. Yeah. So I go and buy a book of stamps about every month or two. And then I print my envelopes and I lick a stamp. And, well, and works for you me. know what? You're right. Because the be- between the... um. I, I probably buy a book of stamps a little more frequently. I probably buy a couple of book of stamps a month. But for 90% of what I'm mailing out, it's just one-off copies of documents to parties. And a book of stamps does it. And so I'm like, all right, good to know. All right. Uh, next one is another thing that was new in 2016. I'm super happy with it. It's the OmniFocus automation game. And you know, OmniFocus has always been a very powerful um, task manager. They're a sponsor of the show quite often. They'll be a sponsor again in 2017. So full disclosure, but I love, love, love this application. It, it It's what holds my life together. And this year, um, Ken and the gang over at Omni Group just went nuts on adding automation tools to OmniFocus. And um, I, uh, I did that OmniFocus video field guide. I did a major update to it this year. I added about 45 minutes of content on all this automation stuff. Um, I've got a, 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 I think I've got a, I think it's about 10 minute long kind of explanation for free that I'm going to put in the show notes. You can watch, maybe that's enough to get you going. If you want to get the whole thing, go get the field guide. But the, um, but the bottom line is you can set up automated projects in OmniFocus this year. This is something you couldn't do before very easily. And now it's super easy. And once you figure out how to do it, it just changes everything. So there's all these things I do in my life. I plan Mac Power Users episodes. I plan free agents episodes. I plan sponsorships at the website and the, and the, and the blogs and the podcasts. And I write contracts and I form companies and I get new clients and I have, you know, all these agreements I prepare for people. So I've got all these different things. And every time I do most of these things, it's a repeating set of tasks. Um, the work itself is different, but the actual list of tasks I do every time is the same. So this year, uh, just like when you're learning to use text expander, you always stop when you catch yourself doing something more than once. I took a real effort this year and I've got something like 25 uh, project templates set up now with OmniFocus. So whenever somebody asks me to do something, quite often I can fit it into one of those project templates or make a new one if I think I'm going to ever do it again. And it generates this great project for me. You know, if I want to set up a new Mac Power Users episode, just the other day I was talking to a friend who's going to be a future guest. So I went in, I, I usually do it on the iPad, but there there's ways you can do it on Mac. I think it's easier on iPad at this point. And I, um, I fired off the template that I have. 
I put in the the show number, the date we record, the date we're going to publish, and the name of the guest. And I got about fifteen tasks in a um, you know, in a linear project given to me. And so I have everything from confirm, you know, the you know, confirm the Skype email with the guest to tweet and thank the guest at the end of the show after it publishes, and everything in between is already set forward for me in an OmniFocus project. And it's just super useful. I uh, I really love this this year. I think this is something this year that I did that um, has made my life a lot easier. Have you picked up on this, Katie, at all? Have you tried making any automated projects? You know, I keep meaning to. I really do. And this is something that's on my list for 2017. I look forward to watching your video. I hope that will will spur me on to do it because it's something I really need to do because I have the same type of tasks over and over again. And I've been using um, templates for, for this. And, um, but I know that there's a better way to do it here. As an estate planning attorney, this should be right in your wheelhouse. It's so great. And uh, with the new features, you can set flags to task. You can say, defer this task until a specific date, or even like you can set a trigger date. A good example is the, I'll use as the Mac Power Users episodes. Like we know what day it's going to publish on. And we know what day we're going to record on when we first schedule the show. So I have tasks that that kick in a few days before we record. You know, and like get the the ads recorded. I have a deadline on that the day before we record the show. I know Katie's rolling her eyes right now because sometimes I miss that deadline. <laughs> I'm thinking you've got a lot of red tasks on OmniFocus. Not not that many, but the um, but the the idea is the it set the way it sets the date is it takes the record date you gave it and say set the due date the record date minus one day. So you can kind of um, it's almost like programming, but it's not as hard and. You can make some very uh, customizable, usable features with that. I, I just really love um, the way this has improved my ability to um, automate a lot of the the common pro- projects in my life so nothing falls through the cracks. And like I said, that came up this year. It's it's really one of my favorite workflows I got out of this year is setting up these automated projects. I expect as I go into next year, I'll be adding even more of these projects. Uh, it, the It's kind of slowed down a little bit now because I've nailed down most of the ones I want to do. But, uh, you know, as my life evolves, I'm sure there'll be additional ones I want to add. And I would recommend everybody try this. It's really not that hard. So here's a question I ask both for myself, because I may ask you to share some of these with me. But I I also ask for the listeners. Once you've gone to all of the trouble to create um, templates for, for something like this, can you then share those with other people? Like, can I share them with people in my business or in my family if we have similar tasks? Um, yeah, you can, uh, they, but I think a lot of times they'll want to customize them a little bit. It's a great jumping off point. Uh, that OmniFocus video field guide, I actually go through and build several of them. So you can just pull those out. Um, if everybody really wants some, I'll share some of mine online. I don't care. Um, but the uh, just let me know. But the uh, there's, you know, for instance, if you have a task and it's, you want it to be flagged, the programming code you put in this, is, I, I'm using air quotes if you can't tell, is you you write, at symbol flagged, lowercase, you know, at flagged. And now it's flagged when the pro, when it gets graded, this is, I don't want anybody to be intimidated by this because anybody listening to this show can do this. If you're an OmniFocus user, you owe it to yourself to figure out these project templates because it really ups your game. Well, I look forward to seeing your your post at Max Barkey. And if it comes out before the show comes out, I hope you'll, you'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. I'll share, I'll share the Mac power users one. And, um, because that's kind of a complex one and that gives you something to work with. 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Get 20% off by signing up at onepasswordcom slash MPU. We're heading into a new year and it's time to take control of your internet security for both yourself and your family. In 2016, 1Password added some great new features, including 1Password for Families. That's the account I've signed up for with my family. Using 1Password for Families, you can share and protect your entire family. This year, we saw a lot of security breaches by companies that you thought you could probably trust. And that's the problem. Once you give a password to some company, they have it. And if they share it or let it get leaked onto the internet, all the bad guys have it too. That's where 1Password comes in. Using 1Password, you only have to remember 1Password, but the software prepares unique and strong passwords for each of your logins and websites. It's all managed for you, and given how sophisticated the bad guys are getting, you need to get sophisticated too with a tool like this. But that's not all 1Password can do. It can also secure your data. I've got notes with information concerning my banking and my medical information. I've even got my kids' social security numbers stored behind the 1Password vault on my iPhone, iPad, and Mac. With the cloud services that 1Password has added, you can now even safely store important documents and access them everywhere. I am really impressed with the work 1Password did in 2016, making the software even more powerful than before. If you haven't already, now's the time to get on board with 1Password. They've got individual, family, and company plans. They're all reasonably priced, and they will all increase your protection on the internet. If you're already a 1Password user, now's the time to bring your family and friends in the circle. As the bad guys get even more aggressive about getting our secure data, your friends and family will only thank you for setting them up with 1Password. So take a few minutes as we head into the new year and secure your passwords forever with 1Password. To learn more, head over to onepasswordcom slash allcapsmpu. If you go there, you'll be able to sign up and get 20% off. Thank you, 1Password, for supporting the Mac Power users. Katie, we're, uh, we still got several more. I think we're we're taking too long. All right. Well, we'll we'll try to speed some of these up a little bit because some of these are are, are faster ones. Uh, another new workflow for me uh, this year is I swapped out my smart NAS. I wanted. I've heard great things about the Synology NASs, and I picked up a pretty basic Syn- uh, four bay Synology NAS unit. I have a DS four one six Synology NAS. And I am really enjoying it. It is serving a lot of uses for me. Uh, One, obviously, is it's serving as a Plex media server. Another fun thing that I'm doing with it is I'm using the Synology to automate a lot of downloads for me. So previously, I had this wonky setup where I was downloading the Mac Power Users RSS feed through iTunes and then using Hazel to save those because I want to make sure, David, that I have a a living archive of all of our episodes of Mac Power Users for posterity because these things need to be saved if anything should ever happen to the Internet, you know must have the Mac Power Users episodes. Um, so now I have my Synology automatically. I've pointed it at both the uh, MPU podcast feed. And for some reason, years ago, I started downloading all the Apple keynotes. Um, I don't know why, but it's nice to go back and watch them. I, I have like the, you know, the the iPhone keynote and the iPad introduction and those types of things. But um, I, I download the Apple keynotes because Apple doesn't keep them up forever. You know, after a little while, they they fall off. 
So I have them auto-download a couple of RSS feeds and and save those to specific folders, which is which is fun. Um, another thing that I've enjoyed setting up is I've gotten a little bit into uh, video surveillance, and the Synology has something called Surveillance Station set up on it. And out of the box, you can use um, up to two licenses. It includes two licenses, and you can add additional licenses. Um, you can buy the licenses. I think they're like 50 bucks, or if you buy them in bulk, they're less than that. But you can add multiple cameras, and it works with hundreds and hundreds of different IP cameras. And so I used it with the cameras that I just happened to have. I just happened to have a couple of D-Link cameras that I already had set up around the house. One I have set up in my garage, one I have set up in my um, kind of my open kitchen area. And so it will, um, and those those cameras are fairly inexpensive and fairly cheap. I mean, they don't do anything. They don't talk to any cloud service. And I really didn't want to add yet another cloud service you know, provider, a lot of these cameras, if you pay them 30 bucks a year, 50 bucks a year, one of these things, you know, will will save your footage to the cloud for you so that if you ever need to go back and get the footage for because you had a break in or something like that, it's it's available. But those things all come at a fee. Well, I've got this Synology sitting here. So one of the things I've configured it to do is to save the last 48 hours of recording off of either of those cameras. I figure 48 hours is enough that if something happens, I'll I'll know it and I'll be able to go grab the recording off the Synology. Um, so at any given time, I've got 48 hours worth of, of video recordings from the the cameras that are around my house uh, saved on the Synology. And it's saved in my personal cloud, not, you know, somebody else's who knows where, what's going on cloud. So that's been a fun thing. I'm just kind of having fun learning all of the the neat things that you can do with this. You're kind of geeking out with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's replacing, um, you know, I do still have an, an older Mac Mini. I think it's a 2009 Mac Mini. It's now as old as Mac Power Users. Um, but, but I realize that that is an aging machine and likely will not continue for much longer, or at least continue to be productive for much longer. So I'm trying to transition some of those tasks that I had on the Mac Mini over to the Synology to the extent that I can. Makes sense. Um, a, a simple one that this year I did more than ever. Um, I've always been a little hesitant about Google services, which is probably not fair. But either way, um, uh, I've noticed this year I use Google Docs a lot this year. I'm getting ready to speak at a conference and I'm in the process of doing the outline and the slide presentations with shared Google spreadsheets and Google documents. And, uh, you know, we run the back end of show planning for Mac Power users on Google Documents. I just feel like this year um, they they finally got the app updated so I can use it on iPad and split screen. And uh, I I came to appreciate the Google document stuff this year a lot. I feel like um, I would really like Apple to step into this space. I'd much rather be using an Apple-based iCloud service, but they're not quite there yet. And Google Docs is just rock solid. So I'm crossing my fingers Apple will catch up. But in the meantime, I'm really happy uh, with the stuff I'm doing on Google Docs lately. Yeah, another, and I know we're speeding up a little bit because of time. Another one of my workflows that has really clicked for me this year is uh, 2016 was really the year that I put my entire life in the cloud. Uh, 2016 was the year that I upgraded my Dropbox storage. I'm now on the one terabyte Dropbox plan. I know I was probably behind a lot of people in that, but I have moved almost everything into cloud storage of some kind. Um, mostly Dropbox is what I'm using. We've talked about that in previous episodes. All of my, everything that would traditionally be in my documents folder on the Mac, um, I've now moved to a documents folder in Dropbox. 
my entire business is run off of files and folders that are stored in Dropbox. And even just the, the t- short time that I've been doing this, I have found so many benefits to this, uh, really just having everything I need accessible everywhere. Um, going through the thing that I went through with my MacBook Pro this year, um, it was the easiest set up from scratch of a computer that I've ever done because I installed the Dropbox client. At that point, I still had my old computer, so it was everything transferred over the LAN. But in less than an hour, with me doing nothing other than install the Dropbox client and let it just sync in the background while I was doing other things, all of all of my data was all my my files and my folders and all of that was already moved over to the new computer. It was already up to date. It was exactly where it was supposed to be. Um, and that was wonderful. It makes um, sharing individual files and folders with people very easy. Obviously, the cons with it are that, you know, we as we talked about before, Dropbox on iOS can still be a mess. Whether are you opening something, are you copying something, do you have to save a copy and those types of things. And, you know, certainly people are going to write in and tell us, you know, you've got everything up in the cloud. Don't you know that there's security concerns with that? Um, you know, Dropbox or their employees could be snooping on your data or things. And, you know, you do have to do that. And I think you have to use as much due diligence as you can. I do things like use two-factor authentication and I encrypt anything that is particularly sensitive that I put up there. And obviously you have to know their policies. You have to know what's in their privacy policy and their user agreement and uh, what when your data is, data is susceptible and how. People uh, inherently do not like cloud services for data, and I understand exactly why. I mean, a few years ago, there was an issue with Dropbox where they had a a flaw with an update where they literally left the door wide open on basically everybody's data for I guess it was a couple hours. I don't remember now. Yeah, but- it was it was an issue where whatever password was put in on their front door of their website would be accepted. Yeah, so it was pretty scary. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm uh, making an argument against myself. But I would also say to the people that are saying, well, no, you don't want to do those cloud services. They're too dangerous is where are you storing data now? Because a lot of times, like I'll go speak at some of these legal conferences and I'll hear from folks that say, I can't put data in Dropbox. And I say, well, where where's your data right now? And they'll say, well, we have our own server. And I'm like, well, is it connected to the Internet? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, how often are you running security patches on it? You know, do you have anybody that knows anything about security checking it? You know, and quite often you'll find out because I know for a fact, like I've talked to lawyer friends that have like old versions of Microsoft Exchange that they haven't updated or they've been deprecated versions of it where the bad guys already know all the holes in the system that you've been running 24 seven for the last five years. And, you know, a lot of times the stuff that you think is secure already isn't that secure. So uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't you know, have concerns about security with cloud data, but I don't think you should take for granted that stuff that's not in Dropbox or Box or one of these services is inherently safe either. And like anything, I think you just need to know. You need to be informed. So I think we might have time for one more of ours and then we'll we'll see some of the things that the listeners have. Okay, that's fine. I, I've got one uh, this year and this is, uh, everything I've picked this year has been stuff that, ha- so far has been stuff that really took off for me. In the past year, this last one is longtime listeners of the show will know I've always been a fan of dictation. But again, I feel like dictation took a couple steps up this year. Um, and there's a couple of reasons. Um, just the first to begin with, you know, we, there's different kinds of input on your computers. There's a mouse and keyboard. There's the finger. And also, I think voice is increasingly becoming an option. Uh, we started the show today talking about the Apple AirPods. And 
uh, they are entirely voice driven. You double tap them and you give Siri command and something happens. And some people hate that. Some people uh, put up with it. Some people like it. I, I think I'm in between liking and putting up with it somewhere. But the um, but the voice as a method of commanding your computer and making things happen is most certainly going to only get bigger in the coming years. And this year we made some good progress. The first is that um, Siri dictation got much better. And that should be no surprise. It gets better every year. But I noticed, um, particularly with the Sierra expansion uh, of the uh, Mac OS, uh, using the Siri dictation, which is built into every Mac, I do recommend you go into the settings. There's a button in there that allows you to download. I think it's about a gigabyte size um, file that has all the local kind of voice recognition assets that it needs and then you double tap the function key and you can start talking and it will transcribe your words onto the screen you can use it in email you can use it anywhere in your computer and it's great and it's a lot better this year than it was last year it feels to me like they made a um, significant jump this year uh, and this is a lot of this is kind of like hush hush because i don't think apple's ever confirmed it but i've been told uh, that they do have a voice um you know, a voice recognition center for Apple where people are working very hard on these problems. It's located in Massachusetts, which is also conveniently the location of Nuance, which is, I think, the leader in this stuff. So <laughs> I have to think that Apple may be hiring some employees from Nuance and, you know, allowing them to stay in their existing homes is probably a very good um, uh, motivation. But uh, but it, Siri, uh, Siri dictation has got much better, both on iOS and Mac. So you don't have to spend any money to try out using dictation again. I, I go through this about every six months on the show. But if you haven't tried it for a while, please try it. Um, a couple tips I would give you is try to dictate a full sentence. Don't dictate half a sentence and then stop to think how you want to finish it, because these technologies really require the surrounding words to know what the context is. Like if I say ice cream, like the thing you lick or ice cream, like I'm really mad, uh, just just alone, those words are almost impossible for the computer to figure out what you meant. But when you put it in context of other words, it can figure them out quite easily. So try and dictate cleanly. Try and speak properly. Don't talk like I talk on this podcast. You know, full sentences, get your thought out. And you'll be surprised at how well it works. Now, if you want to upgrade, uh, we had some improvements this year in the uh, the professional tools as well. Nuance, the makers of Dragon Professional, came out with version six. It's always been pretty good. It got even better this year. And I think the user interface got a lot better. And they also released this product called Dragon Anywhere. And this is the thing that makes people mad at me about spending money. <laughs> I'm spending $15 a month on this service, which is a lot, right? But I have super awesome dictation on my iPhone and iPad, so I can dictate just about anything. And if you, you know, bite the bullet and add the Dragon tools, uh, not only do you get kind of the dictation of Siri, I think it's better. Like, for instance, it doesn't have a timer. When you're on the iPhone and you start talking after 40 seconds, Siri just stops. You know, it's just a limited amount of time. Whereas I was on my iPad the other day and dictating a long letter and I just kept talking and it just kept transcribing for me and the other thing that i really like about it is that it inputs the um it inputs a custom dictionary so as an example i just put up a big article about these airpods and i dictated it and i just as for giggles i dictated half of it in siri dictation and half of it in dragon anywhere and siri dictation actually did a pretty good job but the thing that made me nuts every time was when i would say the word earpods or airpods 
And it would come up with the craziest words for that stuff because it just didn't have them in its dictionary. And you would think Apple would have that in their dictionary. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of funny. And then, and of course, Dragon didn't either, but Dragon has the ability to add um, uh, custom words. So I added the custom words, spelled them exactly how I wanted. And then as I dictated, all that stuff just came in perfectly. So, so there's definitely a benefit to spend some money on this. But if you haven't done it yet, I would recommend just spend a little time with Siri as we go into the new year and see if you can't speed things up. Uh, one example workflow for me is I'll have a pile of email. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just look through the email and have a dictation window open next to the email. I actually don't write the stuff in the email. I just go through because um, I'll see an email from a client and I'll dictate a reply. And then I just say new paragraph, dash, dash, new paragraph. Then I'll say, um, you know, set up OmniFocus contract project. See now, see what I did there? I went back and talked about another thing I just mentioned. Yeah. And then I'll say dash, dash, uh, and I'll create the billing entry, you know, prepare email to client and set up new project, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll, I'll dictate the billing. Entry. So I'll just go through using dictation and just crank through all this stuff. And uh, with my voice, uh, when you're in the flow of it, it moves really quickly. And I'm not stopping to proofread. I'm not stopping to actually take that task and move it into OmniFocus. I'm just getting that raw text into a digital device. And then later I'll go back and process it while I'm listening to a podcast or something, you know, where it's kind of like brainless stuff to actually send it. And um, I think that is much faster than the old fashioned way of sitting there and typing things out and then switching apps and doing all this other crazy stuff. So um, there's an example for you, but, uh, but dictation got even bigger in my life in 2016. And I'd recommend you try going into 2017. All right. So that kind of wraps up our workflows that, that work for, for 2016. David, we, we heard back from some of the listeners with their suggestions for workflows. So wh what do you got for us? Yeah, I asked on Twitter, and this was just kind of a lark about a half hour before we recorded. So that, I'm sorry if you didn't get the tweet, but um, you got to just read every tweet I put out every minute, I guess. Put me on your notifications. Uh, but um, several listeners wrote in with some ideas that they had for workflows that worked for them in this past year. And I thought I'd share a few of them. Uh, James wrote in and it's James Coleman, the guy who came on and talked about, um, uh, you know, using PCs and Macs. And he said this year he decided to start using PhotoStream for curation of photos instead of photos in the cloud. And he says that's really helped him out. And uh, his joke was uh, using photos to him felt like trying to re-index the Library of Congress. Um, I, I do know, knowing James as a friend, I know how many pictures he takes, so I can understand why. Uh, a bit of advice I'd give to James is there's an app out there called Flick, F-L-I-C, for the iPhone. It's a great little app, and it looks at all the pictures you've taken, and you can just flick one to the right to throw it away to the left to keep it. So if you sh shot a lot of pictures, like at a birthday party or something, it's a great way to triage the photos to manage them in photos. Um Another one we heard from was... We got Darren's right here, who says that he is now using Drafts plus Workflow to publish to a self-hosted WordPress site. And uh, Darren, I would like to hear more about that. So why don't you record up an audio comment and send that in for the next MPU Live? That, or what, no, no, MPU Plus. I got I to gotta remember in 2017, we changed the name. Kia wrote in and, uh, and he is using no the Notability app for getting uh, client signatures on his client projects. So I'm guessing he probably turned his contract or his forms into PDF documents and just dropped them 
into notability. And he's also using Daylight, he says, by the way, which is a sponsor of ours. And he uh, t- just has them sign it right there on the iPad and saves it right to the file without having to do any written documentation. Clark wrote in and says he listens to podcasts like MPU using smart speed and overcast while commuting and exercising. He's multitasking for the win. Uh, I agree. I listen to all of my podcasts using smart speed. I personally take no offense. You are welcome to smart speed or even turn us up to. I find that I and David sound well. See, David, I like to turn you up a little faster than I like to turn me up. I believe that. But (laughs) I wish there was a smart speed setting per host, but uh, I I think about 1.75x is is my magic sweet spot. Yeah, I remember when we first started the show, I talked so slow that somebody wrote in and asked if I I was drunk when we did the show. (laughs) And I said, I guess I should speed up a bit. But uh, I like to think about my words. What can I say? No, that's Um, great. I think... I think maybe the winner is is Juka, who uh, wrote in. He says, wife and I have a shared note, presumably in Apple Notes, to which we send email PDF invoices through the share sheet from the iOS and Mac. And then we can mark them as paid or, you know, share them. So, so think about that. Apple Notes now has a way to share a note. And because they have a way to share anything into an Apple Note from their devices, they've basically got a corkboard they put together between them. And they can stick any PDF they want in there, and then both of them see it. And I read that and said, I wish I had thought of that, but I'm sharing it with you now. So that's a good one. So what do we want to do in 2017? I think you and I have a lot of the same goals and things that we're working on. So uh, I guess things are for both of us to to try to figure out. Yeah, I, um, I, I thought la- the last thing we would say is, you know, we've talked about workflows that improve for us in 2016. So what's our goal going to 2017? Uh, at the end of the year, because I do so much business and corporate work, I am actually quite busy because I'm doing a lot of compliance stuff with a lot of my clients and year and stuff. Um, and so I'm running crazy this year. I more than I think ever, I feel like I'm behind as I'm trying to finish the year. And um, and the one thing I'm very conscious of is the amount of time I'm spending on busy work. You know, like when a new client comes in, all the little paperwork stuff that needs to get done. Uh, all the work that goes into making the monthly Max Barkey newsletter, um, the edits on books. Uh, some of this stuff is things that could be done without my direct involvement. And um, uh, But because I'm a control freak and have gone out on my own just almost a little less than two years, I still seem to do a lot of that stuff. So uh, my goal for 2017 is to use all my automation shops and maybe get some help from a third party to um, to find a way to to offload a lot of that busy work to somebody else or some other technology. So I can spend more time doing the value work and, and hopefully not feel as quietly uh, so um, frantic as I get to the end of 2017, as I do at 2016. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, I'm still at the point where I still have time to do a lot of these things, but I'm quickly getting to the point where I feel like I could use my time more productively if I could offload some of this busy work, I actually spoke to a a virtual assistant and we exchanged some emails and I liked a lot of what she had to say, but I found that a lot of the virtual assistant type work that I need done right now was, was primarily in my law practice where it really would have been more suited to have somebody with a legal background, like a virtual paralegal or a virtual contract attorney. So that's something that I'm probably going to be looking forward to in maybe 2017. But one of the things that I've done is I've actually, I've opened a note, David, in Apple Notes of all places. Um, And every time I can think of something that I'm doing that could be outsourced to a virtual assistant, 
One of those prime examples was, you know, I spent hours uh, earlier this month, you know, putting together that list and sending out Christmas cards is, um, you know, I make a note of that on my list. And then as soon as I get enough of those things on that note, you know, sitting down and talking to somebody again and saying, okay, this is my list. What of this can you help me with? Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about virtual assistants this year because I think both of us are ready to start experimenting. But I also think just some traditional um, tools like Keyboard Maestro, Hazel. I mean, some of the our standard stuff we talk about here at Mac Power Users. I think I could take a lot of those to the next level and save myself time that way. This year, you know, using that OmniFocus project template stuff really helped me get not only are my projects more efficiently created, they're better when they're done because I've really thought them through as I made these templates. And I felt like that was a good example for me. So I need to look into some technologies I can use to not only take the stuff off my hands, but have the computers do them for me as well. So um, this is all stuff we talk about on the Mac Power users all the time. So I'm sure we'll, it'll come up next year, but heading to 2017, that's the stuff at the top of my mind. How about you? Yeah, that, definitely a virtual assistant is at the top of my line for one of those. Another thing that I need to work on is my um, my social media presence for, for my business in particular. And um, everybody says, all the conferences that I go to, and I, I don't know how true this is, but, oh, you need to have a Facebook presence and you need to be posting on your blog and you need to be doing all of these things and you need to have a newsletter and clients that you send out things to a mailing list and a, you know, you need to be keeping track of your lead generation and all of these things. And I'm not doing any of that. And I, I don't. I don't know how much time versus effort is that uh, really worth and how much is that going to pay off? I mean, I think some of those things, you know, in terms of asking for reviews and making sure that you're up on all these sites, you know, I don't know if, if all the time and effort and work that you put into that is is really going to, you know, pay you dividends in terms of the, um, the, the response that you actually get. But that's something that I need to work on. It's something that I haven't done so much because I still have to be the one to write the content for that. You know, I can't outsource writing the content, but, um, you know, maybe that's something I can figure out a little better in 2017. All right. Sounds like we've got some good goals and uh, we shared some good workflows. Uh, you know, when you, if you, maybe you had something that you figured out this year that made your life a lot easier and it's worth sharing with the audience. If it is, let us know, send us an audio comment or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. I think these, um, kind of best of workflows are really handy. And I'm sure a couple of the ones we talked to today probably helped you. And I bet everybody out there has got one or two they wouldn't mind sharing as well. And if you've got any solutions to our problems that are out there, these are things that we're going to be exploring in 2017. You know, please feel free to, to send those in as well. You can send an audio comment or an email to us, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Please make sure you try to keep those audio comments two minutes or less so that we can include them in future MPU Plus shows. I would also add that as we're heading into the new year, we're starting to book guests for next year. And we're always interested in folks. And it doesn't have to be somebody that's got some huge internet presence. But if you've got an interesting angle, if you do an interesting job and you're using your Apple technology to get work done, let us know. We may uh, find a place for you in 2017. So just drop us a note. If you want to reach out to us, we are... um, uh, feedback at macpowerusers.com. That's our email. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We are uh, at macpowerusers. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Mac Sparky. And thank you to our sponsors, Market Circle, Fujitsu, and One Password for sponsoring us. They uh, help keep the thing running, so please support them. And we will see you all next year. Bye.